All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 112, 112th episode of My FX Buddies, the podcast. And I say the podcast because there is also a blog, which is where you can go see all the articles. And I have a lot of articles today. It seems like it's a lot anyway. And look, two days in a row. What? It is Monday, November 8th, and I am calling this um, Moving Forward Mondays, but um, not here anyway. Okay, it's November 8th. It's Monday. This is, yeah, my FX buddies. And if you're on Spotify, Spotify? Supposedly, there's a video. I did ask my son, one of my sons, to go look and see if he could find my FX buddies and see if a video was there, but he'll get to it when he gets to it. So, but other than that, you're just listening, and I will try to keep in mind that it's not, not everyone can see the video. Okay, so, if you didn't listen to yesterday's you should listen to yesterday's because of a lot of information. But really, um, so there was a drone strike that hit the Prime Minister of Iraq's home in the Green Zone and did damage people, either three or six of his security people. And he may be hurt a little or not. I don't know. I, I um, you know, different articles say different things. He did make an appearance on TV. Uh, today he was out. He went to some meetings. And he did say, we're moving forward with the reforms. You know, these attacks on me are not going to stop moving, um, making Iraq a strong state, right? So, and I was saying, whoever did this, which, you know, I I believe it's Iran, and I'm going to read an article here, um, but they just made him even more powerful because they got so many phone calls and statements and people saying, you know, shame on whoever, it's condemned, you know, we condemn whoever did this, it's terrorism, they're striking at the heart of Iraq, and so they just mustered up all this support for Kasimi, so it, it backfired, um, in my view. I mean, Poland, Australia, all the Middle East countries, the Southeast Asian countries, um, we did like three different messages to him, so yeah. Okay, but anyway, I said I wasn't going to talk about that, right? Okay, so we got some good... Um, well, and there's one article that I'm going to save for last, save the best for last, um, which was really pushed me over into doing the podcast. Okay, so this is a Reuters, um, you can see, okay, if you can see the video, you can see right here. This is a Reuters article, Iran-backed militia staged drone attack on Iraqi PM, says officials. So you can read that. Usually their articles are pretty short. This is a longer one, but they claim to know. And and 
I do believe that when they make these, um, when they make the drones and they make the rockets and stuff, I know that that's very technical, right? They all have serial numbers. They know who made them, where they came from, and they can kind of tie back, you know? Um, I mean, if from a satellite, they can see the date of a quarter on your driveway. You mean to tell me they can't trace um, weapons of mass destruction or weapons of destruction? I don't believe that for a second. But if if they don't catch the drone, right, then they can't trace it back. And And that's one of the things. So Iran is blaming America, right? And they're saying, America did it. Look, how come they're air to missile defense or whatever? It's something like that. How come that system didn't come on and shoot down all the drones? I think it did shoot down one. But it was still, there was still enough of them left where they were able to successfully, uh, you know, damage um, the home of the, what you call it? What is he? Prime Minister. So yeah, so that's, um, so here, you know, you have a lot of people in the world thinking that they did it. It says made in Iran here, but I'll have the link on the blog if you want to go see it, right? Okay, so, um, and then who's to say this isn't one of those drones that we left in Afghanistan? Because they do know China and Iran bought some of the um, paraphernalia, I don't know what you call it, the military equipment, maybe that's what you call it. They do know that China and Iran bought some of the stuff that we left in Afghanistan. So this could have been one of our drones used, you know. But So yeah, okay, so then, so we know it. It was Iranian-backed, right? Although, within hours, the uh, this man here, Ka'ani, and they spell his name different ways. Usually it has two A's in it. Ka'ani meets two important figures in Baghdad and quickly returns to Iran. So, let's see if it was hours or the next day. Mm. Well, he met with the Prime Minister and Amiri, who Amiri is Iranian-backed. Um, <laughs> the source, who preferred not to be identified, yeah, because they don't want to not be in the land of the living anymore, right? Said that um, he did not hold a meeting with the faction leaders, only met with those two figures. Now, I'm not sure why he met with Amiri, because Amiri's a politician. I don't think he is in the security ministry at all. But whatever. So isn't that interesting? Here they are, you know, we're pretty sure you probably had something to do with it. And then you sneak in to have a secret meeting. It, it's just weird, right? And then the foreign ministry, Iranian foreign ministry spokesman comes out and says, Iran always devotes all its energies to maintaining the stability of Iraq. 
You're right. <laughs> They're one of the main causes of the instability. Um, anyway, so, okay. So if you want to read that, that's there. Um, you know, they talk a good talk, but they don't mean it. Okay, so that's it. There was more, but I, I'm tired of talking about that, especially when there's some really good uh, economic articles out. So here they have one called Economic Ethics. And they actually talk about macroeconomics, and they even mention Adam Smith. This book called um, Wealth of Nations, I think. I think it's called The Wealth of Nations, but um, in their articles, sometimes, you know, don't say things right. But you could search that. But in this book, <coughs> excuse me, Adam Smith talks about the invisible hand that rose the world. So I thought it was very interesting that they would, in, in an economics discussion, bring up that book. And also here, Milton Friedman, they bring that up. And there's one other person. But they talk about how there's a distribution of wealth that hardly knows morals. Okay, about 18 million people out of a total of 8 billion people have 80% of the wealth. So you see the kind of conversations they're having with their, this is an article that all the citizens can read. Um, I do think this particular website publication, these articles are written more, um, like, if you ever read, let's see, what's a, what's a magazine that's very easy to read? Hmm, I can't think of one, but then if you read like a general, USA Today, I don't even think they print that anymore, but if you ever read articles in USA Today, and then you go and you read The Economist, right, that magazine, it's a different level. The articles are more scholarly. I hate to use that word, but you know what I mean. Just like even there's a big difference between the Wall Street Journal articles than the USA Today. It used to crack me up because I used to work in a corporation, and that was part of the perks they provided. Um, well, actually, it was for management. But after management read, or they didn't have time, they were too busy. They didn't have time to read the newspaper. So they would put it out in the, you know, in the lunchroom for anyone to read. And I would go and read and check stocks and stuff. But anyway, yeah. It, but I noticed the difference between the vocabulary and even the length of the articles was much different in the USA Today than it was in the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Anyway, and then they talk about how many people live in the poverty line and how they need to transform. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so I thought that was good. I already talked about Ka'ani. So, um, if you listen to the podcast, I'm not doing the articles in order. But they're all there, though, I promise you. Okay, so... Oh, okay, and so what was interesting was yesterday they were supposed to put out the final results 
remember they're in the middle of doing a recount and appeals. There were people who appealed the um, results. So they were supposed to make an announcement. Isn't that a coincidence? They decided to blow up the Prime Minister on the day that they were going to announce final announcements of election results they don't agree with, right? So that didn't happen, but listen, here's a... So they put this document out that was mostly in Arabic, and I was able to translate some of it. Um, I was going to check to see if they put it out in English. So, But for now, what time is it? Oh, 12 minutes. Let me hurry up. Okay, so they said they checked all the ballot papers and the contested stations, and the results were identical, right? except for the invalid papers where the committee found that very few of them were found to be valid papers through a visual audit where the necessary action was taken. So um, here they are. They're saying, okay, we have the same results. We did the appeals. We did the recount. The results are the same except for a few. But it still doesn't give us a date. Actually, it says the commission will announce all the details in light of the decisions of the electoral judiciary and the announcement of the final results after that. But that's where it ended. I couldn't get any more. So after what, right? There's no there's no date or time in here. Um, they were submitted, but it doesn't say how many days they have to look at it or whatever. But so, you know, at least we know they're in, they're still moving forward. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's more talk. They've been talking about maybe for um, two weeks now. They've been talking about how Kuwait is going to be paid off the first quarter of 2022. So it was just saying early 2022. Now it's saying first quarter, so that pushes it out to March, right? But they're still saying it, so that's good. I like that. All right, and then we have this article. Oh, so they're saying the sit-ins are going to continue until the rights are returned to its people. But Al-Fatah is Iranian-backed. <laughs> so what people are they really talking about, right? Yeah, so our peaceful sit-ins will continue. Well, you know, that last one you had wasn't so peaceful. But hopefully they won't do that again. Um, because they do, so it's in the Constitution, just like it's in our Constitution. They do have the right to peacefully assemble, peacefully demonstrate. So once they get out of, quote-unquote, peaceful, then they're breaking the law. But is there a definition of that? I guess burning things and throwing rocks at the security probably takes them out of peaceful. But I don't know. But anyway, so there is a workaround, right, to get the demonstrators um, arrested as if they're not being quote-unquote peaceful. Okay, so moving on. This came out today. Kazemi's government's policies have, so H-A-L-V-E, which is, what, half, right? Half, but anyway, oh, that bus is moving fast. Um, 
Yeah, that's what. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at the TV, and I shouldn't be. Okay, they have the purchasing power. So I always like to see articles talking about the purchasing power because that's what we want. We want them to have increased purchasing power. So, yes. And I don't like, you know, that they're blaming it on uh, Kazini, but it did happen under his time. So I guess, you know, the buck stops with you. But so this is a guy complaining, saying, you know, normally this is the time because their kids are going back to school. And so there's usually the shopping that continues with, or not continues, shopping that happens with kids going back to school. And so this person saying, we're not having those, you know, we're not seeing those markets. The shops are empty. Um, and then um, percentage of sales is less than 50% of where they normally are pointing out the toiling class of daily wage earners and workers in the private sector are the most affected by the deteriorating situation in Iraq. Okay, and yeah, so, but they do, um, everything in the Iraqi market has risen in price under the pretext of the high exchange rate of the dollar. So even though they're not raising prices, the cost of the dollar is, right, is rising. So they have to spend more dollars, right? And the exchange rate has touched 1,500 dinars per dollar. So then, imagine that, it offsets a weakness in the purchasing power of citizens. Yes. Okay, and here we go with my reason for having this podcast. I'm really mm, intrigued by this. Um... So I'm not going to, I don't want to say I'm excited or encouraged, but this really seems interesting that they would put this article out at this time. Why isn't that downloading? And who is this from? Oh. Oop. Oop. I shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Ariba, that's how I'm saying that. I don't know if that's how they say it, but that's how I'm saying it. Ariba, (laughs) Ariba Iraq Company opens a new center for printing and issuing payment cards in Baghdad. What? Oh, look, I need to put the link there. Don't forget. Don't forget to do that. Matter of fact, let me do it right now. Because I think, yeah, here it is. Oh. I didn't do it there either. That's not good. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Anyway, so for information technology and electronic payment, announced the opening of a sophisticated, all right, sophisticated and modern center for printing and issuing payment cards in Baghdad, Iraq. Is there another Baghdad somewhere? I wonder, I know there's some cities like Hollywood, there's multiple Hollywoods, but anyway, (laughs) this center has the highest levels of security for printing plastic cards, 
and will provide banks with a wide range of printing technologies, including wireless payment cards and metal cards. What are metal cards? In addition to a fast and high quality service, regardless of the volume of orders. So then, you know, you go and you read it and it talks about the machinery and it's one of the latest and it's Italian and blah, blah, blah. So, but it can do, these devices are characterized by many specifications, such as laser engraving of cards, in addition to digital coding and smart encryption of EMV cards. I think that's the chip cards, right? I don't know, though. Matter of fact, I, I will look that up later. In addition to the automatic packaging of cards after they're printed. So they can print the cards and I guess put them in envelopes maybe to be mailed out. I don't know, but it has thermal printing, embossing, and indenting, and it can do a thousand cards an hour. So why do they need this now? Who are they printing all these cards for? Right? I don't know. I just, I like it. Well, I don't like it because I don't want them having to use cards, but that's where we're headed, right? I have no way. Oh, that's why. Okay. I have no, you know, we can't fight it. It's happening. You know, we can have a card and sometimes it's convenient, but if we can use cash, you know, we need to still use cash too. Alright, so yeah, so that's what I just, like I said, it's very intriguing. And they put it out to the people that they can print cards. So I thought that was very interesting. Okay, oh, we're at 21 minutes. Alright, so thank you for listening, watching. And um, if you're watching the video on Spotify. And... um yeah, so I don't know if I'll do tomorrow's Tuesday. I don't know if I'll do another post tomorrow, but um, usually I try my very best to at least do the blog every day if I don't do a podcast every day. So if you can find your way to the blog, uh, good for you. Then you won't miss a thing. Yeah, I know. I can't sing. I love the music. Love, love, love. And can't sing worth a lick. I will be asking God what was up with that. But anyway. Alright, so thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your morning, evening, noon, night, whatever time frame fits you. And until next time. <laughs>